In this week's update, what to do about China and mining stocks. Commodities buoyant despite the currency headwinds. And contrarian setup a couple of weeks ago proves again to be a winner. My name is Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with the usual market perspective. And last week I said um, with an extremely croaky voice, so hopefully you were able to make it out, that uh, we really needed to be mindful of contrarian setups uh, because the market was extremely crowded in its thinking and positioning um, in several ways. And, uh, and so that has turned out to be the case. Stocks and commodities managed to move higher during the week uh, against the logic, which, um, you know, didn't, it didn't seem to make sense, but nevertheless, that's what happened, particularly with the US dollar going up. And it was really just a matter of, there were too many people that were crowded on one side of the boat. And whenever that happens, inevitably a reversal in the market, um, and generally a fairly decent reversal in the market is not too far away. So that's played out really well. And I hope, uh, you know, that's, that's a lesson that might stick in your minds more so than some of these, you know, mindless throwaway sayings like, you know, sell in May and go away, which really don't stand scrutiny. Now, China has created several unknowns because of the um, failure of their economy to bounce back in the way that normally happens and the way that people would normally expect. Um, and so that raised the question, and I canvassed this last week, it raised the question whether they were applying enough stimulus and there was some more stimulus applied uh, during the week. Um, whether it signals a long-term change in the approach that, um, that the Chinese uh, government is taking. And the, and the answer is we don't know the answer to those questions, but we can certainly look at some of the indicators. And one indicator, for example, iron ore um, actually had a pretty good week and other commodities were also marginally higher. So, you know, you've got to step back and look at what is actually happening rather than what perhaps the media is peddling or what might seem quite logical. So in the face of that, what does one do when you've got a whole bunch of unknowns? And the answer is, and I've mentioned this many, many times over the years and almost daily to, um, to members of my services and that is that we focus on controlling what we can control and you just let the rest go because you can't control it. Don't worry about it. And the vast majority of things that you need to be concerned about, we actually can control. You can control, you know, the composition of your portfolio, what you own, when you buy it, how you buy it, how you take profit, um, all those sort of things are well within our control. So just focus on doing those things. And in the case of um, you know, what is happening with China and what is that going to do to mining stocks? Well, there's no one on the planet that knows the answer to that. So don't stress about it too much. Just um, work the composition of your portfolio to suit uh, to a, a risk and volatility level that's comfortable for you. And, and you know, that's, that's it. Move on. Nothing much more to be done there. Now, American stocks, the S&P rose 2.5% for the week, so it was a good week. So that contrarian positioning that I spoke about on August 18, two weeks ago, has now been validated. Um, 
there were several aspects to that, but certainly one of them was the positioning in the options market. The options market in terms of the the put-to-call ratio had become uh, extremely bearish uh, and inevitably a reversal happens and it happens pretty soon and that's exactly what what transpired and the week just gone was the best week that we've seen in the american market since june energy uh, was the big winner as we'll see when we look at the uh the sector charts um and there is a holiday this is a long weekend in america so there's a holiday uh on monday in uh in the u.s <clears throat> so quite a good finish leading into a long weekend, not a lot of nervousness there. Now, the US dollar index is uh, continuing its bounce back and um, it's taken the, the breakout from that 100 to 104 range just a little bit further. So we're up to uh, 104.26. The 10-year yield uh, was a little bit lower, but it's, it's holding in this sort of 4.15 to 4.3% area. The VIX was up uh, to 13.1, and the 10-year, two-year spread was 0.69 negative. <clears throat> so let's take a look at some price charts. Um, we'll start with, uh, with the S&P. Uh, we'll look at, um, yeah, no, we'll look at this one. Okay, so this is the S&P uh, index. You can see we had, uh, we had a dip from the start of August to, um, to the 18th of August. So the first two weeks of July, uh, the market dipped, but it's rebounded, and it's rebounded at least 75% of that, um, that decline in the first couple of weeks of, um, of August. So we're still tracking quite nicely above uh, the 50-day moving average. So this is still a trend of um, of some strength. If we pan back and look back to the all-time highs, which were in January of 2022, so that's, um, what's that, getting up towards um, 19, 20 months now, we're starting to push uh, back towards those levels. A bit more resistance coming in in the the mid 46s, um, and then the all-time highs up here around 4,800. But uh, I think given the existing trend, you'd be a brave person to say that it, it can't break to new highs before the end of this year, particularly the way um, the technology sector of the market uh, is going. Okay, let's have a look at some of the, um, some of the particular uh, intraday charts that I like to look at. And this is the NASDAQ versus the S&P, bit of a rebound, as you can see, but we're really just in balance uh, at, at the moment. So that's encouraging because the NASDAQ is, is the home of the more aggressive parts of the market. And the fact that during overall market weakness, the, S the NASDAQ really didn't underperform that much. It did for a short period, but it's fairly quickly bounced back. So there's no real particular bias from that perspective in the market. This is where uh, a lot of the good action's happening. This is semiconductors versus the S&P, and we're now back to these very high levels on the ratio, indicating that semiconductors are doing significantly better than the S&P. 
and that is good for the market overall. Moving now to the sector charts, you can see XLE um, had a really, really strong week, pushed up very high and clearly beat all the other sectors. Consumer discretionary turned down a little bit last week, but is still doing pretty well on a quarterly basis. And then we've got um, we've got materials and um, and energy and uh, sorry materials and technology and um, and finance. Let's zero in a little bit and let's just take a look at the last couple of weeks to get a closer picture. And uh, in actual fact, that's really interesting. I hadn't looked at this before uh, I started this recording. So, so technology actually had a great week. Um, but, um, you know, energy, I'm just trying to look for where's energy. There's energy just hiding in there. So energy pushing up very, very strongly over the last uh, couple of weeks. So that's come from, from way down the bottom. So energy doing really well, but um, over the last couple of weeks, it's actually technology and the rebound there that's that's really been the good one. And encouragingly, the materials sector, um, which is much broader than materials in Australia. And materials in Australia, we I think everyone pretty much knows what dominates that uh, that sector. Um, but in America, materials includes um, things like uh, gold and um, uh, aluminium and uh, steel and, um, you know, those, those sort of elements as well. So it's a much broader materials index. So that's the US market. Aussie stocks, our dollar, uh, 63.84. Just pretty much responding to what the US uh, dollar is doing in the opposite direction. Uh, the ASX 200 was up 2.3% across the week. Iron ore was up to uh, 118, which is the highest level since April. We'll take a look at that chart in a minute. And the best performers in the Australian market last week were consumer discretionary, materials, and, uh, and finance. So let's just take a quick look. There's iron ore. So iron ore over the last uh, 12 months. So you can see we've been in a range now since May of roughly 100 to 120, and we're now back to the um, to the highs of that range. If we look a little bit wider on iron ore, so there's the last uh, five years where this massive peak in iron ore in uh, 2021, when it went up over $200. But putting that aside, um, so if you take that peak out, where you know we're trading pretty much at where the highs have been for most of the last five years. So despite what, you know, what you might think or what logic might dictate about what's happening in China, um, there's no question that the iron ore market remains pretty strong. Now, if we look at um, uranium is a really interesting um, area of the market to look at, and this is over the last five years, the uranium price has now recovered from uh, 25, and this is uh, spot uranium from 25, and we're now almost back to 60. Uh, we did have a little spike to 60 in April, came back down again uh, to 50, but we're now working our way back up there, and that's certainly being reflected in the strength in uh, in uranium stocks. Well, I was just going to show the currencies as well. 
So if we look at US dollar, so we're back up to the range. We did have a declining trend line on the US dollar. That's now uh, clearly broken ahead of that. It's also starting to break some of these other highs as well. So the US dollar is definitely back into uptrend since the middle of July. And the Aussie dollar is trading near, near the lows of, of the period, as you would expect. All right, while I'm here, let's just look at uh, the gold market. So this is gold on a daily basis. We've had a rebound over the last two weeks. It's you know it's pretty quiet. It's it's really just tracking sideways, and we're at the same level that we were at way back almost at the start of the year. There's the weekly, um, but if you look at over the last, so here's the last real meaningful peak in um, 2020, August of 2020. So th this is three years we've been in this range, but we're managing to hold in the top quartile of that range. So I suppose you could be frustrated and a bit despondent if you're a gold bull that we've been unable to break to new highs, which everyone expected in this sort of environment. But the other way to look at it is to say, well, you know, we're in the top quartile of a three-year range. So that's indicating certainly a level of buying strength. And I'm sure that what central banks are doing in their buying patterns is, is helping that. So precious metals, 1940 up another $15 um, in Australian dollars, uh, continues to be above 3000 when, when it comes to stocks, there's still no real leadership there. So it's, uh, it's hard to see a significant change because you normally do see the underlying stocks, um, the producers leading in both directions, and we're still not seeing them. So the gold market, as it has been all year, in fact, for several years, is really a stock picker's market. And, and my preference has always been to not need the price of gold going up to help my, my gold stocks go up. I want, I want to own gold stocks where the development of the project creates extra value and it doesn't really matter what the gold price does. So that remains as it has done for several years to be my preferred area of the market. Turning to other commodities, copper was up just a fraction, 383. Nickel was pretty much the same at 925. Now crude oil up to um, 86. And that's the highest level since uh, November of 2022. So that's uh, about nine, 10 months. And it's a lot of it is around the expectations that OPEC uh, and Russia are going to be cutting or are cutting production and also uh, lower US inventories as well. So that's all supported the, uh, the crude oil market in the short term. But as I've been saying now for well over a year, the long-term outlook for crude oil price just has to be higher because of the underinvestment and the fact that the demand is not going to go away as quick as many would like. Here's the spot copper chart pushing up just a little bit, um, similarly with nickel. So wrapping it up, the long-term outlook remains positive from my perspective. There's, there's really no other way to look at the market than, uh, than with a fairly positive outlook. The, 
the concerns over China and what their demand for raw materials might mean uh, has certainly put a little bit of a wet blanket on a lot of the, um, the a lot of the mining area. And so quality non-mining growth stocks have certainly been picking up momentum, and we've been doing uh, quite a bit of that in um, in the uh, the services that I run. And there's certainly been some very good results. So having a clear portfolio composition that works for you is essential. And the sort of things that you've got to pay attention to are a combination of the sort of return you want, the sort of risk you're prepared to take, and the volatility that you're prepared to put up with. And if you define those three things first, then that helps to define what the composition of your portfolio should look like. Um, and I'm very much seeing the market with a, you know, a bit of a barbell approach with high quality, larger cap producing miners on one end, high quality, larger cap, uh, profitable non-miners on the other end. And then in the middle, the generational opportunity that we'll probably never see again, and that is the early stage, small cap development stocks that have well and truly got the capability of going up 10 and 20 fold over the next few years, but having very small exposures to those sort of stocks. So that's the, um, that's the composition that I've been working to for some time. And um, I still believe very strongly in that. And we're, we're doing a lot of work in that regard in the, um, in the memberships. Portfolio analysts last week, uh, we looked at a number of things, one of which was how to prepare for reporting day moves, and then also how to, how to respond or how to react to, um, to those reporting day moves. Because in the earnings season that we're just coming towards the end of, there's been a lot of very, very severe moves in both directions. So there are things that you can do in advance to make life easier. Uh, we also looked at six buying opportunities in the non-mining sectors, so consistent with what I talked about before. And there really are some, uh, some tremendous long-term businesses that are trending very nicely. Um, if you want to get a bit more insight into that, there's a $1 trial for two weeks in Portfolio Analyst. And uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of that. That's it for this week. There's more information on the website and there's my email address and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.